You're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rizowski. Today's guest is Pete Holney. I've known Pete for a long time. Pete's a Chicagoan. We grew up a few miles away from each other on the north side of Chicago. Yeah, a Rogers Park guy. <laughs> Pete's a member of the great improv group Beer Shark Mice. He's been on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Middle, American Body Shop, Anchorman, Elf, and The Office, and a whole bunch more. Plus, he's handy with a tool, and he'll take that any way you want to take it. Here's the interview, and uh, I'll talk to you at the other side. Thanks. And the guy who bought it did that. Built a huge garage and, a, and an upstairs apartment. I think he moved into that, and then he rents out the two in front. You own your house, of course. Uh, I, Katie and I, when I was married, we had a house in... Silver I remember Lake. going to that house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That house was 300 and 300 Silver grand? Lake. 300 grand. What year did you buy that? We bought it in 2000. So it's 300 grand. That, but you used to have a place, not in Silver Lake, didn't you have a place, I remember seeing the place that was on, off of Western and... That was, that was in Silver Lake, that was... That uh, was Silver Lake? No, that wasn't Silver Lake, that was Hollywood. That was Western, uh, that was Western and Santa Monica. And it was yes. an old craftsman house with a huge backyard yes. in the back. Yes, did you rent that? We rented that, 1400 months, uh, uh, 1400 bucks. I love that, I love that, that house. That was a great house. I remember going there... Did you guys have a little party or something we had a, there? We had a fortieth birthday for me. I think we also had we would have uh, we would have parties during the we would have parties on New Year's Day. We'd have New Year's Day parties like brunches. Maybe yeah, maybe that. that's what it was. Maybe it was that. I, had a I remember going birthday. there with Linda once, and I was like, "Wow, what a great little house!" It's nineteen fourteen Craftsman House with a so it was a small house, but every nothing was touched in the house. And the backyard was like, I mean, it wasn't even painted, wasn't it? All the wood was all, all the wood was raw. It yeah, was yeah, that yeah. raw, beautiful wood. And the backyard was huge. So a guy buys that, and what he does is he knock it down. Nope, he buys it, and he's a he's a landscaper. So he put a fucking stream. He put an artificial oh, stream really? running through the back. Really? Yeah. There was there was a we had a Brayburn apple tree. We had a. Um, uh, uh, we had a Bramerton apple tree, uh, an albino, uh, albino, an albino mother, mother of par- bl- pear tree. Bl- 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 Bougainvillea. Pa- no, the white, the, the, uh, the sounds like bird of paradise, Birds of bird of paradise, bird of paradise. An albino and one, huh? Albino. albino. Are you serious? Are you joking? Albino. It was an, What's an albino? It, it was, you know, the orange ones. The, these are white. white. Really? There's one down the block. There's one down there. I don't know. I thought they were rare, but they're not. So he buys that. But who wants to buy? Native Americans love the, the albino. Yeah, they do. They do. Bird of paradise. Yeah, they do. When that and flowers, and they're very rare, um, a native lightning bolt comes out of the sky. Native one. Yeah. A native lightning bolt. <laughs> you know, that's. As opposed to the European lightning bolt. You know, when bolts. a white bison. Yeah. An albino oh, sure, bison. sure. Sure. It was my favorite Ted Nugent I couldn't, song. I couldn't come up with a good joke. You know what? You did. You made me laugh. That's all that matters. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I, I don't. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't miss having a house at all. Really? No. But you're a handy guy. So yeah. for me, Katie was like every weekend. Of course, especially an old house. Fuck, you're doing something every day. Yeah. So we had that house. It was a 200 square foot house, 2,000 square foot house, and it had two kitchens. It had downstairs. It had three fireplaces. It had a backyard. It had a backyard with a two-story 1920s coach house. In, in Could the you have bought that house? That, no, I'm talking about the house that we did buy. I know. I and remember so, that one, too. Yes, we could have bought that house. Because you rented it upstairs. We rented upstairs, that upstairs. Yes. We could have bought that house. And in- I remember Mike and I went over there looking at something. Yes, we wanted you to do something. You and Mike Coleman. We wanted you to help us build something. 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 And then it, 
Yeah, and then whatever happened. But she, we, uh, uh, that house in Hollywood, we were... Uh, could you have bought that one? We could have bought that one. I mean, because we were moving out. But it was the nicest house in the block. And I don't like that neighborhood. Hmm. I remember Joe Liss had a place. Yeah. And right I, down the block from that house. Yeah, it was a little bit further on Lemon Grove or something. Yeah, yeah, but it was, it was literally three blocks away. Was it really? From that house. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I, w- I wanted to buy that apartment from him. I got a funny story about that with, with him. Uh, Coleman and I were working on that house with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, hey, you guys. Uh, That's a good joke. How are you doing? Uh, yeah. you, you guys uh, put in a hot water heater? And we were like, yeah, sure. So we're putting this hot water heater in. It shouldn't be called a hot water heater. She call it a water heater, not a hot water heater. <laughs> Everybody calls it a hot, hot water, water heater. heater. Water heater. A hot sense. water heater. Just a, a hot water, water heater. Yeah, it, just it heats water the water. Heater. Yeah, that's all. It's, it's not, not a hot water. water. No. Then why do you need the heater? Right. Anyways. It's a hot. Right. Right. That's it's already. Funny. If you go in a hot water <laughs> heater, it's hot water. It's just a water heater. Just a water heater. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, so he, it was a small space that it was in. It was like a the water heater was here. Mm-hmm. and I think he had his washer and dryer next to it, and we were moving pipes and moving stuff around, and there was a big, huge shutoff, mm-hmm. you know, like a ball or a gate valve mm-hmm. uh, on the, the water. So we disassembled the water heater and put it outside in the little little walkway, which was no bigger than this table, yeah. like about Maybe two feet. Maybe two feet wide. Uh-huh. And then uh, and there was a little doorway, which was about 30 inches wide, 24 inches. It was a small little room. You had to walk in. It was a water heater room. Yeah. So we, but it was also big enough to put a washer. Oh, got it. All right, got it. Right. So we take the water heater out and we put it outside so we could do the pipe work, mm-hmm. got it all fixed. And then we were putting it in. There was a little window, like a little barn window, mm-hmm. almost like Wizard of Oz, kind of like, hey there, Dorothy, how you doing? You know, the scarecrow yeah. coming in. So uh, Joe walks by. The door is shut because we had, to, once we got it in, he had to shut the door so he could put it in place. Yeah. He couldn't open the door. So he walks by the window and as he did walk by and we pushed the water heater in, it hit the gate valve the way we did it, and it was all pressure. And Joe went by and he goes, hey, guys, <laughs> the water was blasting in his face. Now, it was like a Three Stooges bit. Coleman and I were laughing so hard. I swear to God, <laughs> both of us probably peed and number two in our pants. We were laughing so hard. The funny, funny part about it is like most people would get out of the way of the strain. Joe took it like a seltzer bottle. He wouldn't. He thought he was going to stop it by doing putting his hands up. We were laughing so hard that we finally Mike or I hit the the valve and it and it turned off and it just dripped and he just stood there and he was like, "What the hell?" And we started laughing even more. He was like, "Why wow, that was crazy?" And then we all started joking around about it. Joe was putting in his two cents with hilarious bits, and then <laughs> we, we we were like, "Oh, it's funny. We got to put this in. Put it back in again. Boom. We hit it again." Joe's there again, mouthful of water, like we meant to do it. I, I swear to God, it was the funniest thing. One of the best laughs I've ever had in my life. We were laughing so hard. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, God. Awesome. Joe loves that story. Oh, my God. I just, I just played with him uh, in San Francisco last weekend. Oh, yeah? Uh, Rachel Hamilton and I played with Joe Liss. Uh, we had two sold-out shows in San Francisco. Was that the Sketch Fest? No, it wasn't Sketchfest. It was just Rachel Hamilton puts these shows together. Oh, really? Yeah, she fucking puts these shows. She puts. She Does she puts, live there now? Yeah, she lives there. She has a beautiful house in Sausalito overlooking the bay. And then she's got a bed and breakfast in, uh, in Marin somewhere, Inverness or something like that. I mean, she's, she's an adult. What the hell? Jeez. She's, she's a fucking right. adult. 
And what is she doing now? She's not in the... Is she still acting or... Yeah, she's acting. She's in San teaching oh, really? in, Sa in Sausalito and in San Francisco. That's where they make tiles, folks. The, the Her tiles. boyfriend uh, just put together this awesome table to hold their... Uh, the, the outdoor pillows for their for their chaise lounges and Heath the Heath Tile people are up yeah. there. You know Heath? Uh, -uh. Uh, gorgeous little gorgeous tile company. Really really great. I was just tiling today. You do mostly tiling or you mostly I, like I mean, handy shit? Everything. Everything. I'm rebuilding a whole house right now. So. Your house or a house? A house. A house. Just you? Yeah. Coleman helps you know when I need help but he's doing a job up in the hill. Mm-hmm. So I go and help him when I can. He right. comes out and helps me. Uh -huh. I have tons of workers that I pull from, too. Mm -hmm. People that you can trust. <clears throat> or is it I the hope actors? the tools are there when I get back. Let's put People it down. That you think you can trust. People that you may not trust. People that you question. I, I was talking, I was thinking about something the other day. I was thinking about this, about the, what we all do in order to survive. And then there was an article that Jimmy Corain had a little blog thing about jealousy, professional jealousy. And I, I read it, and it... It it got me going. It really got me going. In what way? Uh, and wasted time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're jealous, don't be jealous. Get off your ass and go do something. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, that person, male or female, did something. Whether you think it was the right way of what they did or how you're jealous of them, they did it, and that's what you're jealous about. You know what you're. you're and the people that we know that have done exactly what you're talking about, like get off their fucking ass and do something. Yeah. Don't you respect them more? Well, there's that, but there's also... I, this is what I do. I look I'm talking about the people that were jealous, that you knew that were jealous, that would just complain all the time. Oh, complain. yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then it, when they do do it, when they do something, you're like, oh, well, good for you. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Everybody supported you in your film, your one-man show, your, uh, uh, your writings, your whatever. Right. Everybody comes out and supports you. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Unless you're an asshole. <laughs> But sometimes, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't give a shit about that, too, because if you're going to be an asshole and be successful at it, then I can, go, I can look at you and go, yeah, you know, you, you did that great thing, good for you. I don't care much for you, so I'm not going to necessarily support what that is. Uh, I look at people like uh, Adam, Adam McKay, and I go, fucking good the fuck for you. Look at what the fuck he's doing. Sure. And uh, uh, that's an example of Adam and but I've always looked at Adam as somebody who has been driven, who has been confident, who knows what the fuck he's there for, and is also willing to, and this is a big thing, willing to um, put, the, put the time in in order to, to figure out what it is that he wants to do. Yeah. Like he's not going, oh, this isn't working. What's the point? Or whatever the fuck that is. No, I just, I just think, you know, guys like him, Carell, you know, uh, Favreau, Tina, Amy, I mean, you think of those people, uh, and there's more, Nia, yeah. uh, you know, all those people, they were always driven. Yeah. And they were all, always very talented. Yes. You know, it wasn't like you were like, what the, f that guy snuck in the back door to Second City. Oh, he, he or she was waiting tables to get into Second City. And now, right. now, okay, jealousy? For that, yeah, that used to get me really mad. Oh, well, people sneaking in the back door? Absolutely. Like, not doing it the right way, supposedly. Mm -hmm. But then another way, I tip my hat going, you know what? You got in. You got in. Now, but there, there's, there's a fine line there. Because, like, people would say, I just re heard something on the radio about Michael Jordan saying that, well, you know what? Michael Jordan would do anything to win. Anything. I go, bullshit. Yep. Bullshit. He was just a great player. 
would he hold on to your shirt or step on your foot while there was a free throw line so you wouldn't get the ball faster? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. But that's part of the game, and other guys do that too. Yep. So, so I don't it's know a, about that. That's a playing field. But that, I'm, saying, yeah. I'm saying I don't think at all costs to win you knock someone down. No. That's not, no. That's not being fair. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. What was the name of that? Uh, the, he was an oaf, big guy, Pistons, uh, around the Michael Jordan time. Just, Dennis like Rodman? A, what? No, he's a thug. Not, uh, he's a it, white was guy. Was it the pit? Oh, white guy. White uh, guy. Bill Lambeer. Yeah, Bill Lambeer. Bill Lambeer. You go, that's a fucking thug. He's a thug. But you know what? Great player. Fucking he was a player. great player because people would say he's a dirty player. Yeah. You know, but that's just the way he was. That's what his skills were. Yeah. Oh, right. You know what right. I mean? He just used what he had. That's his voice. He's a big thug. Slow white guy who yeah. could shoot, right? And was big, took up space. Yeah, he was. He was and a- he protected his his domain. Uh oh, Bill Lambeer is calling us. <laughs> <laughs> Detroit Hotline. Hello. Oh, hold Come on, in. please. Uh, it's so funny. We're just talking about you. Uh, How do you know Dave's number? <laughs> How? Do, what, what do you mean he was protecting his space? What do you mean? Because he was a center. Bill yeah, Lambert. got it. Right. Power right. forward. So right. He, he's center or power forward. Anyways, he was a big guy down low. He wasn't a he wasn't a dribbler. He wasn't a point guard. So if anybody came into the paint, yeah. he would put you on your ass. And that's what you're supposed to do. Right. Well, you look at uh, Refrigerator Perry. There's another guy. You know, he was paid to be... He was paid because that was his... His form follows function. He did that, and that's what he did. Yes. And everybody, everybody has that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everybody has their own unique God gifts and talents that you were born with. People always ask me about improv. Like, oh... Uh, not everybody can improvise. I go, yes, anybody and everybody can improvise. Can they be great at improvising? If you, with practice, you can get pretty good. Yep. You can play with good people because you can set them up. But will you be one of the greats? No, because it's like certain talented people are really good at it because they're just unique in their own ways. It's also they've been uh, conditioned through experience in order to fucking figure out what has to happen. Yeah. You know, like, so there's that experience where you go, oh, that didn't work, I'm going to do this, oh, that didn't work, I'm going to do this, that didn't work, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. that's practice. That's what I mean. But to be able to go in there over time, I I agree with you. People say, can you make anybody funny? It's like, can I make anybody funny? Um, People interview me and I go, and I think, I think I can. And I think I can. And what I mean by that is, what is your unique voice? And then let's ramp it up. Right. What is it? You don't have to come in with anything new. You just have to come in with an awareness of who Specifics, the fuck you are. Specifics, details of what you know. If you're a pet shop owner and you know everything about every kind of bird and every kind of fish and every kind of dog and cat and what kind of food, it's like, how do you not use that in your, we are, this is an improv. We're talking about improv, right? <laughs> what the hell are we talking about? We're, yeah. I'm talking about pet stores. Well, but, uh, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. everybody has their own background and what they know. Mm-hmm. You know, how did they get to that? Well, uh, Sally used to help the birds. Whenever she saw a fallen bird, she would help fix it and ate it and then fly back to, let it fly back into the air and, and you know, whatever. She, she would take care of animals all the time. And then she became a pet. Uh, she went to veterinary school, blah, blah, blah. And now she owns her own pets, whatever. It's like there's a reason why that happened from a young age. Right. You know, are you destined the day you're born? As soon as you popped out, you know, God's putting a stamp on you. Pet shop owner. <laughs> You know, whether you, okay, you, how old are your kids? 13, 11, and 
Six, are you going to cry? Oh. <laughs> you have three children. <laughs> I um, grabbed a tissue. <laughs> 13, 11, and 6. Are you seeing there, are you seeing the uh, accumulation of what it is that they've been you doing? You know there? immediately who they are and what they are mm-hmm. the second they're born. Not, I mean, the second they're born, a little bit into it, you know who they are. The, you know their personality. The personality is there, you know, uh, right away. I mean, I, I would know... Like, I knew what my, all my kids were going to be like. Not everything, no. But how difficult some of them can be. Uh, <laughs> but you, you, know, you know their personalities. And you know who they are. Like, you know if your kid's kind of an asshole. Uh-huh. You would know if your kid's really sweet. Would you know it when they're two? Uh, two, yeah. Yeah, two, three, yeah. But, you know, the reason why is, like, if, if you, you get a... When they're two or three, you have play dates, right? Mm-hmm. So mm. moms and dads, okay? Mm-hmm. It's a new generation. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's I, not just the moms anymore. Club, dads I'm not part it. of it, but okay. I'm getting a little insane. Hey, you can yeah. be like Tony Randall. You, you have until you're 72 to have a kid. Was <laughs> oh, so that you know, the cutoff? You were 72. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? Felix Unger. Um, but, uh, but you bring I the always kids. thought he was gay. I think everybody did, but it, you know, he had kids. He yeah. had a lot of kids. I, I think he had a few from a few different wives. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you bring them into a room and you see the kids there and like say one kid's just really aggressive, the dominant kid or whatever, male or female, trying to hold the status in the room, grabbing that one trained toy. And they mm-hmm. grab it and they're holding it around, they're running away and they run to their mommy and they give it to the mommy and they, and they look at the kid and the kid's going, ah, crying. When another kid comes up and hugs the kid that's crying, that's when you know that kid has compassion. He cares, he cares about somebody that's crying and hurt. So he, to me... I think he comes from a good, stable home. Like, hey, if you're hurt and you're whatever, uh, you know, show compassion. You show it to the kid, so the kid shows it to the kid that's crying. Now, if the mother or father that the kid that took the, the, the train away continues her conversation about dry cleaners and stuff like that with the other ladies, then you're like, you're a shitty parent. Because what you should be doing is being very observant when they're two, three, and you should be going, hey, that's Billy's. Toy, give that toy train back to her. You know, don't do that. That's not nice. Apologize. You know, but when parents don't do that, that's a that's a shitty parent. And some of them could go. I've had a hard day. Some of the parents would say that. I I didn't even notice it, but believe me, the other parents in the room they notice it. This whole thing about I didn't even notice it. Oh, it's there's huge dynamics. Just the craziness of kid rearing but it's also the craziness of living your life i just didn't notice that what the fuck did you know what do you mean didn't notice it like fucking life's going on around you and you're not noticing it yeah well i mean i, I don't uh, uh i don't know does is it just me or does it seem like time is just faster than it's ever been uh what's the indication for you what do you mean <clears throat> i feel like the days are so fast and before you know it it's christmas when you're younger, there are less days for you to live your life, and you're going, this, you know, when you're nine, you've only had you know, maybe 10,000 days. Yeah, I guess so. But, but I also, when you get older, you go, oh, and then... Doesn't it seem like it's just... It's maybe because you have more worry and you have things to do, so you're running all over the place, and when you were nine, you were sitting in your basement yeah. in Chicago, and you were playing G.I. Joe's? Well, what's the, what's the thing that people... That for kids hours? Say? Yeah, but keep, people say, are, the kids say, are we there yet? You know, that idea of time. It's like, we just got in the fucking car. What do you mean, are we there so, yet? So, <laughs> good point. So they, they just don't understand 
time or time means something different to them because it's relative because we I'm 55 years old I'm not gonna do the fucking math of how many days that is or how many hours that is I can tell you I'm a mathematician I, 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 I don't know what that has to do with <laughs> I'm, if I really like, knew, I would have just blurted out. Yeah, like, yeah, you're really, like, like to know your time. 435,628. I, I bet people would. What if that was right? I'm going to look at that. I'm gonna, I, I've got a bunch of statisticians who go through everything that's said really? after we do the wow. podcast and add up the amount of words. They get, then, is, that their, is that their side job as an actor or an actress? Most or? of those people are volunteers. Oh, wow. Got a bunch of volunteers. Wow, in, good uh, people. Bangalore. Uh, Can I have another bagel? Thank you. Okay. Fucking taking a break. <clears throat> but when you're younger, your days are your days are longer. Uh, it's relative. When you're younger, you go, uh, it's it's you don't have as many days, so you don't know what that's like. But are you more worried than you've point. ever been? Is that because you said maybe it's because I worry? Uh, you worry more. Are you more worried than you've ever been? Oh yeah. Really? Oh sure. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, when you were a kid, you could sit outside, and. And just sit in the sun and anything was interesting to you, like grabbing a stick and a, 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 a bottle cap or whatever and just sitting and playing in the sun. And before you know it, you don't do anything. You, you're taking all your time until your mom goes, hey, 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 get in here. We got to this. We, you got to do this. We, it's time for dinner. You got to finish your homework. But in the meantime, time is irrelevant. It's like I am just going to play with this stick and this bottle cap, sit in the sun. On the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. You'd have the funnest, the best time in the world. Mm -hmm. The funnest. I almost said funnest. Funnest. You could say funnest. Uh, we, we, do a gra we have a grammar, a grammar volunteer somebody, who goes somebody, through it. Somebody would have tweaked that, right? Yeah. Somebody, we have somebody a, a garage band. Right, uh, but you're, okay, you're talking about when you're a kid, you don't have any worries. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You have no obligations. What do you do? You get up, you eat, you go to the bathroom, and you play. You go to school. There's worries at school. I can't, yeah, there is. Yeah, I know that for a fact. Yeah. There's worries at school. There's worries at school. And there's also there's worries like, I, because you're a twin, was that, you wouldn't have any idea if it was different growing up, but you always had somebody, I, my, I'm two years older than my brother. We moved a lot. So when I went to a new school, there was a lot of like, who's going to be my friend? Who am I going to hang out with? Why did you be? move a lot? Um, my... My uh, folks, we, we upgraded. We kept upgrading. Oh. So we started out in a, uh, an apartment on, uh, uh, on Mozart. And uh, most people would know that we, we grew up in the same neighborhood-ish. Yeah. Ish, ish. Yeah, ish. So it was West Rogers Park. So we lived on uh, Mozart, I think. Mozart was what yeah. we called it, near Devon, Devon in California. And then we moved up to uh, Rogers Park, where I went to Rogers School, which is like Western and, uh, and Lent. Around there, and then we. What moved. are the three words that rhyme with? A vagina. Vagina. Yeah. Wait, did I blow the joke? No, you kind of. No, you just said the <laughs> yeah. Name. Uh, the three. This is a big Chicago yeah. stupid joke, but. But the three, the three words, the three street names that rhyme with vagina. Yeah. Malina, Polina, and Lunt. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever you. that dude was. Who came up with that? Uh, it's also like the idea of Some sitting Some taxi cab driver. <laughs> <laughs> How do you fucking write a joke? I, somebody told me a joke the other day. My girlfriend, Laura, told me a joke the other day. I'm going, that's like, what the fuck? Did somebody sit down and get the punchline and their, and their special God-given skill is they can hear a joke and they can hear a punchline and then create the joke sure. that lives in front of it? Listen, yeah. 
I mean, you, you do that too. But I don't make a joke. How many jokes do you know? You told me one, no, I don't. so we know one joke. Jokes. Jokes. Like, I know a few jokes, but not great jokes. Yeah. How and many I jo- don't, I don't. I'm not going to ask them. you to tell the jokes, but how many jokes do you know? I. Some are really lame, but I don't know. Uh, I think I, I know three. Yeah, maybe two or three. Yeah, two or three. But you get somebody like Richard Label. And that's oh, my God. He's oh a machine. Oh, my God. But he will hear a joke. He will take out a notepad and go, now, what was it? Uh, uh, but again, to go back the way you were born, that's what his, he, he would be able to retain something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I would not be able to retain anything like that. Like, I just wouldn't be, like, there's guys that I know, like Flynn or McKay, that could hold on to baseball stats, sports stats. Like, they know them. But you they know, know eras. Sports too. They, oh, I you're know talking, sports, but, you're but not I'm talking about. The about to me, it's it's yeah. almost uh, a nerdist sports kind of thing when you know all that. And, th- and, th- and they would say, they'd be the first one to say, yeah, I, I just, I know all that. Now, again, that, those are guys that are just sitting there watching sports all day long. But they just, but they've retained it for a long time. Yeah, right. And they probably traded cards and played with cards and, and they knew the stats and they looked in the back and they cared about it. Never, it just wasn't something that I cared about that much. No. But I would know at times, like when guys would play for certain teams. But but not, the, yeah. And when we were younger, the guys stayed on a team for longer. Yeah. Now they bounce all over the place. Or, Shit has changed so much, too. I mean, you look at Billy Williams. You, you're a, were you a Cubs? Or you, Cubs. Cubs. So, you look at Billy Williams, Ernie Banks, Don Kessinger, uh, uh, Rick Hundley. Uh, Glenn Beckert, you look at those 69 Cubs and they go, I know them because they were like fucking family. They were yeah. always around. Right. And when Kessinger went to... George and, Middlewall. Yeah, right? Steve Swisher. Yep. Pete Lecoq. Pete One of Lecoq. my favorite. Yeah. Uh, Milt Pappas. Milt Pappas. Milt Pappas. The Wood and his brothers. wife who disappeared. Wilbur Wood and... Yeah. Who played for the Cubs and Sox. But so did Kessinger. Kessinger played for the Cubs yeah. and the Sox, too. And a lot you go, of, lot, they used to trade a lot. <clears throat> yeah. But I was a White Sox fan, too, when I was younger. I had a feeling you were a White Pe- Sox fan. People, <clears throat> but I don't know why. I mean, for us, for people that complain about, you know, what team you are, this, that, and the other. And Coleman and I always get into this because <laughs> I am a Cub fan, and he's a Sox fan, and we love giving each other garbage about it. But my thing is that I grew up on the north side and he grew up on the South Side, and I was always a, a Chicago fan. I, I was happy that the White Sox playing. If anybody invited me to a game, I was never a Sox hater. I used to hop on the L and go all the way downtown with my brothers and go to a, a Sox game at Comiskey to see Richie Zisk and yeah. Chet Lemon and Jesus the, Christ, you know everybody. But you know what? Those guys just mentioning those names, I feel like that's family, even though it was from the other side of the track. Yeah, but I mean, we used to go to that. So when people go, "What are you Cubs or Sox?" I'm like. I'm a Chicago fan. I always was. But look, if the Cubs and the Sox were in the World Series against each other, right? Right. I would want it to go seven games. Yep. I want it to be in the ninth inning. Yep. I want the Cubs to be at bat, and I want the Cubs to win. <laughs> right. So technically, I'm a Cubs fan. But there's also within that says, in order for it to go seven games, you also, the, the Cubs have to lose. Yeah. You know? In or, and, and I think that that's a huge fucking thing. Spend, and I, I, uh, I don't want just the Cubs to get to the World Series and win. No. I want them to play the White Sox and win and be in a World Series together. 
Wouldn't that be great? That would really be great. And you know what? I wouldn't even be that mad if the White Sox won no. over the Cubs. Right. I'd still be happy. Oh, my God. It would be fucking heaven. I wouldn't be like some of these people that would just, you know, be crying for days. And No. I don't know. What would the city do? Think Fuck, about man. That. It would explode. This I is mean, a movie the, script right here. But, you know, <laughs> but even if the Cubs made it to the fucking hey, World so Series. What the fuck is your problem, <laughs> huh? Now, listen, listen. Uh... But, I, but I'm going to say this, like the idea of the Cubs getting in the World Series without it going seven games is the same thing that you have with somebody going into the back door in order to get to Second City. It's like, we got to put the fucking work in in order to have that thing be have worth. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, We're getting my, off the rail here. Aren't we? We always, it's called ADD comedy, so we always get off the fucking rail. Uh, my brother, my dad came home one day, electrician. And used to work at the Baby Roost. He factory. was an electrician. My and dad you're was not handy at all. I am handy. Oh, all right. I built this entire building. No, you were just saying that you don't, you couldn't do anything if you had, when you had a house. You. Or, oh no, I didn't say I couldn't do anything. Oh, what didn't. I meant to say was I didn't want to do anything. I see. And it wasn't late. So you're handy. I'm handy. Right. I'm handy. If I'm your handy. dad's an electrician, you should be pretty handy. Oh fuck, I'm I'm handy. Like I do shit. Especially like, with electronics and shit. Um, no? I like measuring. I like tools. I like numbers. I like figuring out angles. I like sitting back and going, how can I make this work? Could you put a light switch in? Yes, I have. Could you hang a fixture? Yes, I have. You could put an, uh, uh, a light switch, uh, an outlet, you could put an outlet yes, in? Yes, yes. I, do, I, I don't know that I could bend pipe, um, but I could certainly... They don't bend pipe anymore. I mean, they do. The old man bends pipe. Or used to bend pipe. Yeah, now it's, ro- oh, it's all Romex. Yeah, 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 yeah. But growing up, sure. I had I went on side jobs with the old man. Sure. And we at 7 o'clock in the morning, we'd be at Dr. Gaymon's yogurt factory. Real place. Great yogurt. Fucking probably. real place. Real place. <laughs> on Western Avenue. Uh, and uh, he'd be waking me up at 6.30 in the morning, go out for fucking eggs. And uh, I would load up the shit in the station wagon, sure. unload it like a pipe. You Did know, it the have the paneling bender. on the side, the station wagon? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had... Fucking own real stuff. wood, or was it the the peel and stick? Veneer? It was real. It wasn't real wood. It wasn't curious. like a woody. But it no, wasn't. but you know what I'm saying. Like they used to. Yeah, have a, yeah, yeah. Where, where as the car got older, it would be. It was, it was the difference between veneer and a sticker. Yes. Right. Was it a sticker? No. It was, it was veneer. veneer. Right. It was veneer. We had a 1970 uh, Chevy station wagon that my dad says never had. I'm like, fuck, dad. I know I had it because I had sex in the back of that car at Son. a drive-in movie. And I, I told him that. And he goes, nope, never had it. I said, it's a yellow 1970 uh, Chevy station wagon with a 454 uh, Corvette engine in it. He's like, never happened. I'm like, dad, that was one of the first cars I ever drove. I said, I had a 1963 Biscayne. He's like, never had it. I'm like, Dad? Why would you know the engine was a Corvette engine? Because I was so fucking... Oh, well, one day we went out and uh, uh, something happened where the fan belt broke and I took it to a service station. Remember those? The guy popped the hood and goes, fuck, this is Put a Corvette engine. And on, like, he took out the, he took off the, or the, the filter, and so, look at this, and it said 454 in, with a Chevy logo on it. Oh, really? And I'm like, fuck, man. Somebody dropped it in the... I think it was, I think it was stock. Really? It was stock. Yeah, maybe. So I know. So people don't bend pipe anymore. No, they don't bend pipe anymore. I, I'm sh- they do in garages. You have to have yeah. pipe in it. Yeah, but you, bend, you, you don't bend pipe. I had let an electrician do that. Fuck, man. I don't want to do that. I have a friend who... They have, uh, a whole, they have a truck and they have everything on it. Yeah, right? Plumbers, too. It's like going back and forth. It's like... Well, but you were kind of plumbing when you did the uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm doing little here. things, but I mean... Yeah. Like, it's a, if it's a repipe and stuff like that, I just I got a plumber to do stuff. Mm-hmm. 
I love the idea of hiring somebody to do what it is that they do because I don't want to fucking do that thing. Well, because they have the practice. They know how to do it. They'll right. be faster and quicker at it than me. And in the end of the day, it would cost me less money for me to hire them than trying to figure it out themselves. Right. Now, if I was building a log cabin, I was like, or just a cabin or whatever, and I was like, right. I'm going to put a sink in. Well, that's different, you know. And I'll get back to it in a week. Yeah. It's different. Right. You got a job. You got to. Right. Yeah, for done. me, a big thing that I've been saying lately is I'll look at something and I'll go, I can do that. I can do that. And then give myself the challenge of saying, I can do that. And when I say I can do that, I really just fucking jump right into it. So you do it. And then I do it. Um, it might not be done exactly the way that I want it to be done, but part of I can do that is I can figure this out. Right. To have the confidence to go, I'm going to fucking figure that out. I'm going to figure out how to, um, like right now, it's about the podcast and putting all, and, and seeing if I can do GarageBand. And, you know, everybody's figured this out long before But you I know do. it now. You know how I to do know it. it now, but a lot of it is, like right now I'm putting together our website. My website, and I'm looking at it saying... Plug it, plug it. Plug and play. Plug it, plug oh, my website. Plug your website. Oh, com. But I already have a website, oh. but I'm doing another website that is going to be a new website. But to look at it and go, I can fucking do that. Yeah. Instead of sitting alone at home going, why does fucking Jim have a fucking better website than I do? And be jealous Fuck about that. it. Why? Right. But isn't that... A, but I say that's a little bit of jealousy and laziness go hand in hand. I guess it's it's not the best word because what it is, it's procrastination and just not following through because you'd rather not. And it's fear. It's fear. It's fear. You came out here. You didn't. You came out here when you came out here. You came out to L.A. when you came out here. What I mean when I say that is um, you, you didn't go until you were ready. You didn't go, right? Well, I, uh, I came out here because... Uh, who came out here before me? Finn came out. Blondell, I think, was out here. And what Jay, year did you come Jay out? Jay Johnson was yeah. out here. Oh, fuck and I was Jay. like, wow, Jay came out here. Now, and to me, and the way I thought about it was like, Jay's out there. He's been there for like a year or two because he must have came out in 94 or 93. Something like that. And I was like, and he and I went to college together. So what's, I knew cool? Jay. Columbia. Mm-hmm. College. And I was like, wow, he just... And he was that second city. He was touring. Yeah. And he just got up and left, and he went out to L.A. Yeah. And I don't think he knew anybody or anything. He just and I was like, wow, that's ballsy. Yeah. Uh-huh. So fear in my mind was like, I I can't believe he's going out there with nothing. Mm-hmm. Like usually in Chicago, you didn't leave until you were kind of groomed and told when to go. <laughs> so I was with Gettys at the time. The agency. And Linda Jack, talent as mm-hmm. well. Right. And. Uh, I remember uh, I was flown out for a couple voiceovers. You were flown out for voiceovers? For, yeah, for uh, United Airlines. I did. I was the first guy other than Gene Hackman when Gene Hackman had the huge campaign for years. Right, sure. I was the only other guy that did it, and it was, it was uh, Shuttle by United, and that's what it was. And it was for the West Coast mm-hmm. from San Francisco down to L.A. Right. to San Diego, wherever, on the West Coast, Arizona, Phoenix. And so... For whatever reason, through Leo Burnett in Chicago, they flew me out here. And talk about jealousy. I remember going into the studio, which was one of these Margarita Mix or whatever, L.A. studios, wherever it was. And I vaguely remember, there might have been one on Sunset that was there at the time in 93, uh, 94. They, they flew me out. 
they put me up at the uh, fancy uh, restaurant on... Uh, Not the fancy restaurant, fancy hotel. Sorry, hotel. Uh, <laughs> Which restaurant? Uh, on Doheny. Uh-huh. Uh, 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 and Wilshire. Do, is it Doheny and Wilshire? Can, uh, Four Seasons. Got, got it. Got put it. me up at got the Four it. Seasons. Uh-huh. Flew well, they, me had first, to, they had to. Flew me first class. Right. Thank God for the union. Four Seasons. Mm-hmm. And there I was... Uh, there and I think Favreau was out here at the time, and I called him up and I was like, "Hey man, I, I'm out here." Uh, John Favreau. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, "Let's let's hang out." So we went out and I go, ah, no, "It's on me, man." You know. So because I had a per diem and all this, and yeah. I go, "No, dinner's on me." And he took me out to a couple of those swinger joints. Right. That became the movie at the time. And uh, but when I went to the session, it was all these character actors that were there. It was a bunch of people like saying that they were pilots and, and hustlers and bustlers that were going back and forth to travel. And that was a f- funny little spot. I was the announcer. I was, I was on every one of the spots. So I was there, and I was in one room, and all of them were in this around two microphones, mm-hmm. all these character actors. And I've seen all of them, and I couldn't even tell you their names, but I've seen them all. And you've seen them all in thousands of movies during the 80s, you know, maybe late 70s, early 80s, and early 90s. And I'm, like, looking at them, I'm going, and they were all assholes to me. Wow. Who's this guy? Who's this young kid coming in here doing this? And I was like, what a bunch of pricks. I'm, I'm, I'm walking around going, hey, I saw you in blah, blah, blah. You know? and, and they were like, and I don't know, I don't want to say names, but I was just like, wow. Unbelievable. And I just walked away from that going, wow. that was my taste of L.A. Go back to, uh, to L, uh, Chicago. And I think they flew me out another time to do some more. And then uh, was auditioning Second City, Improv Olympic at the time. It was the name then. The United Theater, Improv Institute, everything. You know. And do all that shit. Do all that. And then uh, at the time, I, I finally got onto Torco and... Second City Touring Company. Second City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, was do, finishing up at the Annoyance and, and IO. And, and then all of a sudden, I got flown out for a TV pilot out here. Which was... Well, the Carsey Warner CBS. But that's not the one that you you didn't. That's not the the show that you got. No, that was no. I got flown out here, and I was like going, and I was just being a Chicago guy. Yeah. And I've talked about this with plenty of Chicago people. You come out, and you're like going, and again, they fly you out first class. Right. They put you up. Right. And again, they put me at the Four Seasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I went for the audition the next day, and I was really timid and probably fear because I was like frightful because I was like what's going on and I saw four or five other guys that kind of looked like me uh-huh right height right, right, all that right right never experienced it before right went in there and they just go, okay thank you it was Mark Hirschfeld yes uh, I remember him and uh and so Carsey Werner and anyways so I flew back and they, right after I just went in I did my read and then they go okay thank you the car's gonna take you back and I was like huh <laughs> what <laughs> this is great so I go back to the hotel and I right. hear about what, what's happening. Right, 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 right. And, and then again, on the other hand, I was like, <laughs> I'm in L.A. Right. So I was like calling up anybody that I knew out here, mm-hmm. Shane and Blondell, and I hung out with them, Favreau, Johnson, and then flew back home. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. That was an opportunity. And I did not seize that moment What at could you all. have done? But what could you have done, Pete? What could you have done? M- prepared more. What do you uh, mean? Done, what do you trust mean me. Trust me. Believe okay, me. Okay, fine. I'm just wondering not what those things out, are. Not, not going out the night before and getting pretty drunk and staying up pretty late. Okay, great. That's but different. <laughs> because, you know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, right. I, and I don't mean that in the sense that I, I don't know if I was stayed out really late, but 
not enough preparation because I didn't know any better. That's the whole thing. I was like, they liked what I did. I did exactly what I did right. for when I put it on tape. But no regrets, right? Because you no regrets know because it was nothing I do. Yeah. But like, it's the people when you look back at, like I told you about that group of people. That, that the voiceover guys? That knew when to seize it. No. Oh, uh, I like, see. You know, yeah. Favreau and McKay and right. Flynn and, right. and Amy. Neil and, Flynn. Uh, yeah. Tina, you know, when they had their chance, their opportunities to corral, they, they, they went for it. They, right. they were ready. And that's, that's the whole point about acting. I don't care what your side job is, if it's construction like I do, if you wait tables, if you do podcasts, if you teach improv, if you fix cars, whatever you do, it doesn't make a difference. You gotta be ready when the, when the, when the phone call rings. You gotta be ready and you gotta be prepared to go in there and show, show yourself off. That's it. That's, that's 90% of what you need to be as an actor. And I, from when you say that, and there's also something that changed about when you were saying that was changed about your tone was this. It's like fucking jump the fuck on it. Yes. Attack that fucking yes, thing. Yes. Because the moment you're a tiger and fucking opportunity of Vicuna fucking yeah. comes e- in. Eat and that you, thing. If you don't, it's not. There may not be another opportunity to come out and eat. And here's another thing that when it comes, you the tiger's not scared that the fucking antelope's in front of him. It's like this is what I fucking this is what I'm manufactured for. Yes. That's what you do. That's why you're doing it. And and if you don't pounce on it hard enough to try to kill that thing and eat it, if you don't, if you don't, if you're not ready for that opportunity, you're not going to get it, and you shouldn't get it. You know, because like I said, well, I don't know should, if it's well, ninety. I don't know if it's ninety percent of it is 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 that like ninety percent. Like I said, was was you got to be prepared. That's what it is. You got to be prepared when that happens. Emotionally prepared. Everything. Prepared. Yeah. And the other eight percent to me is luck, and and the other two percent is is your talent. Right, because, ah. because the talent, the talent's there, but you got to be ready to show your talent. Fuck you know yeah, I mean? right. Yeah, and and I don't know the percentages are all whacked, but it, a lot of it's luck, it's timing. But it's, you create your own timing by by hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, by fucking well, hanging out. Persistence, staying in the game. That and also um, appreciating. Okay, so you can go, you can go. Fuck those guys! I'm not getting. Uh, they didn't. They didn't hire me. Or you can go. I cannot wait for the next fucking opportunity. Yeah, I almost. I, I could have had it. Exactly. Oh, and, or, and or in, maybe they went for a taller guy. Maybe the they went not? for a minority. You know, right. I'm, I'm a Caucasian. Maybe they went for a black guy or a Hispanic guy. It doesn't make a difference. But I was that close. They thought about me. Yep. I was in there. You with were them. invited into the fucking game. There was a people, lot of people that weren't. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and what what. What gets me about all that is, let's remember that you were invited to the goddamn party. Yes. Let's remember that. And you were invited to the party, not for any other reason other than they think you fucking belong. Yeah. And when I go on an audition, or, you know, I got, I, I'm doing a movie on Sunday. Good and for you. I'm going, what is it? It's just, it's an improvised movie that somebody oh, yeah? hires me to be a charismatic. Uh, uh, a psychiatrist or something like that. What's his name? Uh, I don't know the character's name. Well, let's let's see. This is the work you got to put in. <laughs> well, I, I don't just wing me. it. I'm gonna wing it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but a lot of that is. But when somebody hires you, like for me, that movie on Sunday. What is it that I can do to prepare for it? This is what I can do to prepare for it. The night before, not get totally shit faced, okay? And then be wake up early enough to have a nice car drive over to the place and to sit and go. What's happening? I'm ready. I'm here. But you, I'm prepared. You, but yes, and you should know what is going to happen in it because you know you're a psychiatrist. Yes. So you should break down who, what kind of a psychiatrist are you? 
And, and these yeah. are the things, and you know this, I mean, but going back, like, how long have you been a psychiatrist? What did you do to get into psychiatry? What school did you go to? Uh, it makes a difference, you yeah. know. Oh, yeah. Uh, what, what were some of the worst things that you did as a psychiatrist? Because if you have all those in your arsenal, if you're ready with those, if, while you're improvising, you can throw it out. Yep. Throw it out. Yep. And, and also to... Are you a good psychiatrist? Are you a bad one? Are you mediocre? Do you do it? What, do you really have another love of cooking? Or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, Look at all those things that you just fucking talked about that are so part of the creative fucking process and to open yourself up to all those things. I get it. I get it. Specifics. Specifics. But you're very good at specifics too, just in the work that you do. Because um, what I when I watch you perform, like you are fucking in it, and I'm and and I don't. I I figure you don't have to define. You don't have to label what the fuck it is that you're doing. You just jump the fuck in there, and you're in that scene, and I'm believing wherever it is that you believe that it is that you are. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's that's what I love to do. I mean, I. You know, people would would put a name on it. Would say Holney's physical. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy that's hands on. When I walked in your house, I didn't just stand over here and just ask you if I could sit down. I walked in like it was my house, and I went to the bathroom and I looked around everywhere. That's a fuck. That's a huge part of it. I was talking to my a class the other day, and I said, when you walk into a stay, when you walk into a theater that you're going to perform in, open the fucking door and say, this is my house, this is my theater. I own this fucking theater. Because when you live with a foundation saying, this is all mine, there's nothing you can do wrong. That's, that's exactly what we did when Beer Shark Mice went to uh, Chicago to open up Sharna's new place. Mm -hmm. We were walking around and all of us jumped on the stage immediately. We didn't just walk in and look in and look at the stage and we're like, ah, we all jumped on the stage and I, the first thing I do, I jump around everywhere. I open doors, I see if I can hang on poles, I can, and Sharon was like, Holly, what are you doing? And I jumped on top of the piano, that's brand new. And I was like, Sharon, I got it. I got to test it out, honey. And she was like, oh, that's the way you are. And I was like swinging on stuff. Yep. But uh, you're absolutely right. That's the first thing I tell people. I go, look at the stage. What can you do? That's the first thing I do. I look around, I go, what can I swing on? What can I climb on? I also look on breaking the fourth wall. What can I do out in the audience? That's exactly what I do. You do yeah. that too. Yeah. Though. I mean, you, you yeah. know, when I see you perform, you do that too. Yeah. You and I are very physical. We're very physical. We're very physical. And I love the idea of breaking the fourth wall. The show that I did on Saturday, it, you know, it's packed in San Francisco. And the first thing I do is I walk in. I, it was Joe, Rachel, and I. I walk in and I fucking just go up the <laughs> stairs and I look at everybody and I'm like, what is this? What is this? Because right now this is all mine. Everything you fucking have is mine. You sitting there, that's mine. Your sure. purse is mine. That fucking shit is mine. And they're part of the show. Yes. And when you live your life like that, we're saying, oh, I, it's not that I don't, uh, oh, I don't feel like I belong. What you're doing in that moment is you're shutting yourself off from the possibilities of living your fucking life large. Yes. And the other thing is, people are there to watch you perform, mm -hmm. and they sure don't want somebody mediocre and, and, and tentatively going through the, the motions. I mean, I wouldn't pay or, or want to watch something like that. And, um, but how it's, many people... Th but those are all... Anybody that does improv, when, when you see that, and they go, oh, I didn't have a good show. You had a shitty show because you didn't trust in yourself and anything you did. You didn't trust your character work. You didn't trust your partner. You didn't trust the suggestion. You didn't trust what you ate that morning. You didn't trust morning. your fucking you self. You didn't trust anything. Right. Yes. And that's all it is, is going out there going, A, number one, I always tell, you know, when I would teach, I'd go, hey, number one thing, have fun. It's yep. about having fun. Yep. I'm, I come from the world of play. Yep. That's my improv. 
is come from the world of play. I'm going to play with Dave in this scene. What is it? Whatever it is. I'm going to play with you. Yep. Because it's like being a kid again. And, I, you know, to go back to what you were talking about, like having kids. What I love about it is I get to relive being a kid again. I get to relive my childhood through my kids. Right. I get to see them lose, my, lose their tooth. Like my little, my little boy Devin was wiggling his tooth. He goes, it's really wiggly today, Dad. Oh, it's even more wiggly today. You'll feel it. Don't touch it. Don't, don't you pull it out. Now, boom, I'm on a stage. I, I can use that. Right. You know, and people, well, that's when, when, when it works really well. And people go, oh, come on, you write that. You, that's all written. It's not written. It's just in your you memory banks. You own it it's in, in your, your head. brain. Right. You catalog it. But, and you're also mindful of what it is. You're living your life noticing your life. That's what you're fucking doing. And you're noticing your life because you're living it. You're in the fucking minute. You're, moment. Moment. You're in the moment. Yeah. But in every minute, you're in a fucking moment. And you know, you hear the sound. I hear the kids. I hear the kids across the street. I hear the. I hear them screaming. That's why you have this apartment, right? Exactly. Uh huh. <laughs> and if I'm not wearing my robe in the morning, a guy comes by and goes, "Why do we fucking buy you the robe?" There was a time when you used to see priests walk up and down the street with their collar on, and you could walk by and go, "Hi, Father." You don't see that anymore. You want to know why? Because people go, "Hey, you dirty scumbag! You kid molester!" That's what would happen. They, wow. They wouldn't. I bet. You don't see priests doing that anymore. No. Ever. You see nuns. You see nuns out in their With habits on? Yeah. I, I, uh, I just, Occasionally. Yeah. Okay. But there's, but a, right certain, there's, a, certain, there's yeah. a certain uh, type of nun that wears the habits. Yeah. Yeah. But, but these are the, the blue with the white yeah, collar and the long, and they were had an umbrella. You know, there's, no, there's, no, uh, there's no honor in being a priest anymore. And I think that's why a lot of people, if you do have the calling or whatever, you could still help people out by being a therapist or a family counselor or a psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever, uh, as opposed to being a priest. Yeah, right, right, right. And, but it, the traditions of it, I mean, I do love about it, you know, at times, you know, but it is, it's, it's old, it's dated. You know? so I also like, think that when you're walking down, I want to think about a priest, I think about uh, when I lived in um, Andersonville, and across the street there was a Francis, Franciscan uh, monk, uh, Father Earl. And Father Earl lived in his house, and people come by, and it was a beautiful fucking mansion in the middle of the street, really huge, gorgeous brick building. And, um, uh, and he would have a bunch of people over, old people that would become, that were part of the neighborhood forever. And then Father Earl would co- go to Kopi Cafe, and, and you'd sit, and he would sit with his parishioners, but, not, but just like shmying around, not talking about shmying it. You know. Shmying around? Shmying, it's a Yiddish word. What does that mean? They're shmying? just talking, talking, shooting the shit. Just shmying. Shmying, I've shmying. never heard of that. It's a great word. Schmeiner. I like that. So I love that. my favorite Yiddish word. Sorry to get you. No, go. Is schmutz. Schmutz. Oh, fucking schmutz. I is... got a good schmutz story for you. What's that? Did, did you want to finish your point? About no. That? Well, oh. what I was going to say was this: that Father Earl was part of the neighborhood. Right. And nowadays, you don't have that. anymore. You don't have that anymore. Yeah, the priests aren't in the neighborhood anymore. Right. You know, well, with technology today, like in cars and kids getting cars and driving all over the place, they can go to any school they want to. Right. But back in the day, if you lived in a neighborhood, you either went to that public school that was right next to you, whether right. it was good or bad, right. that's where you went. Right. And if there was a Catholic school and you wanted to pay the money, you went to the Catholic school. My next good door neighbor, bad. the Fish, went to the Fish, never the name, the Fish. Uh, what was their last name? The Fish were the last name. Did we they moved all in. Walk we and talk like this? <laughs> like Fish? The Fish? No, we moved in. So just to the east of us were the Fish. Swear to God, this is a story. And then just to the west of us, were the birds. We moved in between the fish and the birds, and the fish moved out, 
and the muds moved in. What the, the muds? The muds. Hilarious. The muds. So it's kind of like anti-evolution. The fish moved out or the fish swimmed out? Swimmed out or they swam out? out? They swam out. Thank you. But anyway. Those guys will fix that, the gr- grammar, right? Yeah, you're, we got, a, we got the interns? grammar uh, in Bangalore. We got Bangalore gram- grammarians. But uh, 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 the fish went to St. Tim's and then yes. went to St. Margaret Mary's. Yes. Uh, or Scholastica, St. Scholastica. Yeah. They went to those places. And These we are all high Bo- schools and grade schools in Chicago. Yeah, we went to Boone, I went to Boone School, which is a block away, a block and a half away. Right. We walked. We walked to school. Too. I, lived, I went to San Ignatius Grade School, and I lived across the street from Sullivan High School. Oh, you were over there. Yeah. I was on Al- Albion and Bosworth. What was the name of the grammar school that was right next to Sullivan? Kilmer. Kilmer. I went there for right. kindergarten. Yeah. Kilmer. And uh, then after a while, we went to Ignatius. After kindergarten, we went to Ignatius. I uh-huh. think my parents were like, why am I paying for kindergarten? <laughs> these, right. These two right. twins are idiots anyways. What? Right. Oh, that's horrible of me. But it's true. What? Tell your Schmidt story. Uh, so Schmidt's story is uh, my twin brother and I were working on a commercial together. Mm. And this Jewish director was working there. And he goes, and it was a wax, it was a car waxer. And it was like one twin was the guy that had the... The car waxer six thousand, and my other my brother would have the the uh, old can and pad wax. Yeah, he, yeah. Like, Which one's faster? This is crazy. And uh, so and there's a you know like a wall was built in between us, so you could see each got one it, doing got it, got the it, got car side by side. <clears throat> and uh, and at one point you could see cut cut the schmutz on him. And my brother and I looked at each other and we're like. Because he was really mad about it. He goes, I told you to get the schmutz off. And you didn't get the schmutz off. And uh, what's going on around here? Get this. And he was talking to all the people and uh, around him and everything. And they were all looking around. Everybody was just kind of like, what is he talking about? <laughs> uh, nobody knew it. He goes, the schmutz, the schmutz. And, and a guy, the guy came in. The, uh, who would that be? Makeup guy or Ma- uh, prop yeah, guy? Yeah, makeup or prop guy came yeah. in. He goes, he goes, is it here? Because like, it was a, a close-up on our hands got it, got it, got it. Yeah. To, to see where the wax was. And he goes, the schmutz. And he goes, no, to the left. And he's looking at his monitor. And the, and the guy's over there, and he's, like, trying to wipe stuff away. And he goes, no, the schmutz, it's on his hand, on his hand. He's looking at my brother's hands. And he's like, the schmutz, it's on and his hand. Would you look at the schmutz? And he wouldn't, he wouldn't describe it any other way. Say, there is wax on the inside of his fingertip, on his fingernail. He kept saying schmutz. And finally, we were like, I, I looked up, and I go, I go I'm sorry. My brother and I were like, what? What is schmutz? He goes, shit, garbage, the wax. And we were like, oh, Pat, it's on your fingernail. And he was like, oh. And he just wiped it away. He goes, yes, thank you. You just got rid of the schmutz. And we started laughing so hard. He was like, oh, cut. Just let's take a break for a minute. We were laughing so hard. It's my favorite. Yiddish word, schmutz. Let's stop there. We're going to stop the schmutz. Ah, teaching schmutz to an Irishman. The Irish gave us beer, and we give them schmutz. Seems like a fair trade. Pete Holney is in Beer Shark Mice, one of the best improv casts you'll see anywhere. Guaranteed. Other members of the improv cast, known as Beer Shark Mice, are our past ADD guests. Yep, we've had them all. Now we've had them all. Neil Flynn, Dave Keckner, Pat Finn, Mike Coleman, and every once in a while, Paul Valencourt will show up. He's awfully good. ADD Comedy with Dave Rosansky. Thanks, Ian Foley, our producer emeritus. Laura Parker, co-producer, technical assistant. Uh, my dear friend, musician extraordinaire, Al Rose, for our theme song, I Feel Like a Million Dollars, from Al's album, Sad Go Lucky. And you, our listeners, if you liked our show, give us a positive note on iTunes, won't you? 
Ah, yes, please. If you're interested in having me at your theater, improv school, corporate event, or you just want to say, hey, good job, Dave, please drop me a line at dave at addcomedy.com. Thanks, and we'll hear you in our ears.